cool. All right, I'm going to say that as a yes. So, <laughs> fuck yes. Welcome to After the Hype. I'm your host, always, Brian Russell. With me, as always, is Jonathan Artisty. Hey. And the other two still aren't here this week. Uh, but we do have Sam Garrison sitting in again for Emily, which is appreciated. Hello. Hi, Welcome back. Was it a good coffee break between the uh, the two episodes? I'm still drinking the coffee, Brian. Don't oh, rush so, me. <laughs> so, no, it was a rushed coffee break is what you're saying. Well, seven days? <laughs> Not that rushed. Seven days. Why five. are you still wearing the same shirt, John? <laughs> Some John, things never change. John owns three shirts. It don't. It might be clean. Who knows? Yeah. You don't know, and I don't care. <laughs> and the podcast is over. Yeah. Oops. Every time I try to talk, Sam snorts again, and then I laugh again. I'm just gonna go. That's, that's, that was. This is the hello that, goodbye. It can't get better than that, right? Uh, so that voice you're hearing is Mike Nyer. Hello. Hi. Hi, everybody. I was asking John, and neither one of us could remember. What was the other episode you were on for this? Uh, the La La Land. That's episode. right. Yeah, I couldn't remember. That's what John guessed. I was thinking it was. But yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, I, but I also don't look at our back catalog. <laughs> clearly, it was a very memorable episode. So I remembered you being on the show. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, well, he should definitely come on again. What that was the one, one he was guy. on again? And John was like, I well, think La La Land. Because I was recalling, <laughs> I was trying to call what what breakdown we made you do, and then you had some singing, and I was like, oh wait. Oh, I forgot we made him sing it. Yeah, that yeah. Was, I I blocked that memory, out, so it makes sense. It's, it's all coming was back. Was it traumatizing yeah. for you? <laughs> did you not enjoy it? We're starting right right away in character. Tell, tell me something. Did you want to bludgeon your co-host? You should have listened to that maybe, instinct. Maybe oh. I did. I don't know. Oh boy, you should make up your mind now. I don't. I, I hear people don't like indecisions. That's why we got Donald Trump. Oof! <laughs> now I got political. So the, <laughs> that. Kind Anthony of Hopkins. voice that you just heard uh, was not Anthony Hopkins. We have Chris Ortiz back. Hi, Chris. Hello. Chris is determined to do the entire episode in character, which will either be entertaining or annoying as fuck, but well, we will find out throughout the episode. We'll know if I make it through this alive. <laughs> like the Night King said to Gandalf, I will break you. <laughs> if, if someone gets murdered, do we have to release the episode or do we just... No, no, it? no. I'm quite good at uh, disposing of bodies. I can teach you and maybe write you up a pamphlet or something along those lines. A cookbook, perhaps? Yes. Oh, that would be the polite thing to do. I have made The polite people. thing is to make a cookbook? But politeness is probably overrated, right? right well, you got to eat the rude, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> I find cookbooks to be bland. I like to write things down in index cards. Let's do a where have you been doing. Uh, Chris, why do you go first? Well, I've been eating. I've been doing. (laughs) I recently played a game called Horizon Zero Dawn. It's delightful. Uh, The lead character reminds me of a certain Clarice Starling. (laughs) I'm cutting you off. You're done. Uh, Thank you. Horizon Zero Dawn. Sounds great. Uh, (laughs) Oh, this is going to be fun today. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, boy. Uh, I've got a picture of like Jodie Foster in like tribal gear, scaling robotic dinosaurs. <laughs> I too picture Jodie Foster that way. <laughs> I didn't need to picture Jodie Foster that way, but now I can't get it out of my head. Yeah, now so. it's just what I'm thinking of. <laughs> Lord, strap yourselves in. <laughs> uh, I'll go next. I started replaying a game. I haven't played it in uh, a number of years. Some of you may have heard of it. It's called Super Mario World. Um, oh yes, I played that several times while yeah. in prison. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, that's all I'm really going to say on it. I've, I've really been enjoying replaying it. It's, it's a fun game. Chris is going to kill himself in this episode. So, John, what about you? Where have you been doing? Uh, so, 
at around the same time you did, I started watching uh, The End of the Fucking World. Ooh. I'm only halfway through it just because I watched... How are you still only halfway through it? The thing takes like two hours to watch. I know. <laughs> I just, I, I, that's the bad thing about watching these things at like 12, 1, 2 in the morning. That I just start to fall, fall asleep. But you finish half the show in one episode of Supernatural. More yeah. importantly, what have you been doing at those late hours? <laughs> have you been a naughty boy, Jonathan? Very. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like someone's going to be on season two of Mine Hunters. <laughs> it was okay. Um, <laughs> uh, anyways, it's really good. Uh, I just got to the part where the, they introduced the detectives, and I was trying to actually stop the show, trying to figure out where the one detective was from, the kind of the lighter-haired gal, mm-hmm. and Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, like, it, but it was bugging me. I was obsessive, and yeah, but still, the show's really good. It's I great. love it. Excellent. If you love it so much, why don't you finish it? <laughs> Mike, what about you? <laughs> but then it has to uh, be over. Oh, you, you can't leave things hanging and incomplete. You got to find closure. Well, I, if you oh, don't end the, it, it's not over. The end of the fucking world <laughs> is not the show for closure. Not. Just no. just so you know, not the show for closure. I, I have no idea. <laughs> yes. um, wh- where have you been doing... Um, I, so I found myself at Vons the other night, and uh, I, I promise this story has a point. Um, What's the matter? Whole Foods is it good enough for you? <laughs> it's a little too upscale. Um, it's just right for me. <laughs> so um, I found myself at a Vons the other day for whatever reason, and I found an ice cream that I haven't been able to find in 14 years. Uh, ben and Jerry's One World Peace, I think it's called. And no, no. Blanks. Nope. Yeah. Oh, I know it. <laughs> <laughs> All too well. Uh Anyway, was it a fourteen-year-old pint of ice cream? Because uh, that's nasty. You know, check again in two months if I, if I come back. <laughs> if I ever come back for a guest spot, then 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 you'll know. Uh, I just, that was it brought joy to my life to find it after so long. So nice, that's perfect. That's awesome. I think that's the first plug we've ever gotten for ice cream, but I'll well, take it. That's, <laughs> that, that, it. It means a lot to me. That's that's all I that's all I wanted to say. Wait, what perfect. is one world piece? So I because I love ice cream, so please explain. <laughs> so, See, I'm, I'm, I have an audience. Really I have an audience. I do love ice cream a lot. So it's it's coffee ice cream as a base. Ooh. It has um, oh, like marshmallow fluff, like oh, okay, kind of yes. throughout it, uh, a caramel swirl, uh, and like fudge chocolate discs. I don't, oh man, I don't, I, I, it's it's really well because the world is flat, right? I... <laughs> <laughs> no ice cream for you. That's, I was not Jonathan, expecting that. It got, it got, it got the reaction that I wanted. <laughs> Jonathan, I have a very funny feeling you and your ignorance are not going to get along with me throughout this podcast. Probably not. <laughs> From the judge to your the guest. World, uh, your world is flat. Chris is going to go full method and eat you. <laughs> uh, Can't vote against me if you're in my tummy. <laughs> exactly. Oh, wait, you're the judge. I should be sucking up to you. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Don't suck anything, please. Oh, God. oh, boy. Nope. Moving on. Sam, what about you? <laughs> Um, I just started, well, I'm about halfway through uh, book five of the Outlander series called The Fiery Cross. Oh. Um, it's good. It's historical fiction with a little bit of fantasy time travel. It's great. Strong awesome. female characters, U.S. and Scottish history. Some real hot sex scenes. Super hot sex scenes. Although by book five, they're like older, so the sex has kind of fallen by the wayside, and now they're just like trying to survive the American Revolution. Just like, just like all of our lives. Yeah, really. like I you mean, do. Yeah, yeah. I, I dated a girl in high school who tried to make me read the first one. I got about halfway through it. I'm like, I just, I can't. It's just, it's just not for me, dude. <laughs> it is, it is like perfectly for me. Except yeah. the great thing about reading versus watching the show is I don't fuck with gingers, so mm. I can imagine him not a ginger. Perfect. <laughs> yes. 
As a man with a ginger beard, I really appreciate yeah. that. That was deep insight into your psyche. I really, I've, I've, I've learned something fundamental. Yeah. So. Oh no. Heart emoji, knife emoji. <laughs> We're only scratching the surface of each of our psyches at the end in this episode. I'm sure all of our choices for this debate. <laughs> Good are going Lord. to be quite illuminating. Are we going to survive through any of this? I, I, I really don't know. Uh, we'll see. Where's the gavel? <laughs> I, I actually I was looking for it, trying to like spot it behind. The oh, I do see it. It's in front of the wolf. Would you like me to grab yes, it? Yes, would you Just like please. us to pass it to you? Oh, he needs his gavel. Sweet. No, don't pass him a weapon. <laughs> it was John. The gavel. <laughs> oh, hello, Balto. We've missed you. <laughs> You did a wonderful job. You know, it's one of my favorite films. Balto? Balto. Perfect. <laughs> my dog met the writer of Balto the other day. Really? Yeah. Did she you say met or bit? Met. Oh, well, he's like, never bit what's the I didn't think so. so like, nice. I don't see any differences between met, them. She's met the writer of Balto and the writer of Snow Dogs, so I feel like she's really just checking that. She's got to find Airbud and Beethoven, and she'll be good to go. She, the, the director of Beethoven has met her. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> this, of course, that's the way this story goes. Of course, that was a natural. My dog comes to work with me, so I, I, I too work with dogs. People. I understand. <laughs> I understand. Uh, she almost got to meet Patrick Wilson, but it didn't happen, and I was so mad. Damn, I was so disappointed for her. <laughs> for her, not for me. Yeah, well, I met him. I'm there every day. She yeah. only comes once a week. <laughs> Patrick Wilson in Space Station '76 is one of my favorite performances of any actor of all time. Just so we all are on the same page. Oh, okay. You really close the loop. There. He's, yeah, on wood, he's on my wood list. Oh, I'm, the movie itself, not great. His performance in it, fucking stellar. He, you clearly he, haven't seen Phantom of the Opera. How? <laughs> I like this science fiction movie. Clearly you've never seen this musical. He plays, what? Ra- he plays Raul in the most understated role in the history of cinema. Sure. <laughs> Gonna blatantly ignore um. everything you just said and move right along. So today's episode, as we pitched last week, is our best picture winner battle. So all of us around the table have picked films that have won best picture. Um, I lived it. One of us lived it. Apparently, it was a life uh, experience. It was a documentary. Yeah, it's a documentary of Chris Ortiz as Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> With multiple, cam- with, with multiple cameras, a film crew, a special effects artist, and numerous yeah, other- it's exactly that's just what follows Chris around. My apartment is jammed whenever he's on this episode. Um, it's really crazy. So I really wish right they would now. leave, yeah, right? Yeah. They're fucking that's annoying. That's why I did an emotional support session <laughs> to get us all. Through Do you this. want them to go away? I can make them. Okay, so around the table, we'll say the movies that we have. I'm taking uh, Billy Wilder's The Apartment. Chris's. Silence of the Lambs. If you couldn't guess. Uh, Sam? I'm doing Return of the King. And Mike? A Beautiful Mind. Perfect. Okay, so uh, at this point, I'm going to let John take over the show, who is acting as our judge today. I do not envy him at all. And uh, yeah, it's your show, man. Let us let it rip. All right. I think for the sake of this, let's uh, tear the bandit off early and do uh, Silence of the Lambs. Good call. Thank you. Good Thank call. you. <laughs> Well, are you ready to go, Chris? <laughs> I'm, I'm giving you a buffer to get your giggles out before I start your five-minute timer. I got him. Should I just leave the room? It might help. But I'm here to win. Don't You're, leave me alone with Hannibal Lecter, you guys. Fuck. <laughs> Have we learned nothing? If this was Hannibal Lecter, we'd all be fine. 
Des, he'd be much more polite than me, let's be honest. <laughs> Not so full of giggles. Uh, <laughs> the references will be much higher level. Yeah. All right, Chris, you ready to go? <laughs> no let's do this. Yeah. All right, so five minutes Starting to defend your thing starts now. Go. go. So Silence of the Lambs is the wonderful movie starring Clarice Starling, my protege, who decides that she needs to hunt down Buffalo Bill, who likes to skin the humps of women, according to what the film has said. And it's probably, arguably, the only horror film to actually win the Best Picture Oscar. I could be wrong. Gentlemen, am I wrong? Is there any other horror film that has won this year? I don't think so, no. Excellent. Rosemary's Baby. Oh, Rosemary's Baby won Best Picture. Um, did it win? No, I it was think nominated? it was nominated. I, th- yeah. I believe it was yeah, nominated. I, right, I don't yeah. think it won though. Same Probably. with The Exorcist, another delightful film Curses. which I watch with all my children. The <laughs> great first thirty seconds of your argument. <laughs> and you haven't even gotten to defending it yet. <laughs> you don't need to defend perfection. <laughs> but all kidding around aside, Silence of the Labs is actually legitimately, I would argue, an excellent and near-perfect film with impeccable direction by Jonathan Demme and an incredible performances by not just Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster, but also by the supporting cast, including Ted Levine as Buffalo Bill, Scott Glenn as Agent Jack Crawford, and numerous other people who are so scared. Fell apart real fast there. Oh, most certainly did. I was waiting for him to read the full credit sheet. I was, I was prepared for that to be the five minutes. Yes, in the span of the five minutes that I have. One of the things that I love about this film is, in fact, the direction, specifically Jonathan Demme's unusual choice to have uh, numerous characters staring at the camera when they're doing their close-ups, specifically when they're talking to Clarice Starling. If you notice, it actually puts you into her position. So anytime anybody's talking to her, they're looking at the camera. And then when they do the reverse angle of her speaking to them, she's usually looking off camera, which also makes you a little uncomfortable, kind of the way she is in the picture itself. I also genuinely love the last act of the film, especially when Clarice, spoiler warning, discovers Buffalo Bill in his suit full of women um, and has to chase around her with the night goggles. <laughs> the night goggles, eh? The night goggles! They do nothing! <laughs> I would also like to point out that uh, in my background, I may or may not have gone to Germany. I don't really know. <laughs> You're a very traveled person. Why is it better than the other movies? Well... All kidding around aside, the only other film that I think has a serious competition against this is The Apartment, which is an ungodly classic. Um, Lord of the Rings, I feel like, while an excellent movie and an excellent capper to a trilogy, is jam-packed with CGI and is not the true best film of the trilogy. I would give that one to The Two Towers. A Beautiful Mind I'm not even going to try to argue against. It's Ron Howard. (laughs) Case Case closed. Wow. I would also like to point out that the uh, caliber of the filmmaking in uh, Silence of the Lambs is so good that it made the Academy some of the stuffiest people ever imaginable to be able to look past the fact that it's a horror film and just recognize what it is, which is a true classic in the cinema. You still have a solid two minutes, two minutes. And five minutes after that, we're all going to rip your movie to shreds. Oh, God, I can't wait. (laughs) So I'll be ripping everybody to shreds. (laughs) I mean, no, all kidding around aside and stuff, I mean, like, also, it has one of the best female protagonists in the history of cinema, Clarice Starling, um, with a true, excellent... Ah, fuck it, I'm just going to switch over to this for the rest of this. Um, <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> oh, no, for the rest of this argument, I'm still going to be coveted in a character. No, all kidding around aside and stuff, I mean, it's a fantastic movie. I mean, I was watching it this morning before the podcast to try to get used to it and stuff, and like I said, I would argue that the direction in Silence of the Lambs is probably the best out of all the best picture winners that we have over here. Maybe The Apartment, I'm not too sure, because Billy Wilder is also a uh, master of the cinema, too, and everything. Um, Like I said, um, 
Clarice is just she's an amazing hero. She's an amazing protagonist for her feature and everything. Just so three dimensional. It's so great. Um, the direction in it is phenomenal. The details that they have in this picture. I mean, for instance, the scene where they pull the beetle out of, and it's not a beetle, it's the butterfly, right? It's a butterfly out of the moth, moth, sorry, the moth out of the, uh, the victim's, um, mouth. And you hear just like a little, like the last gasp of breath kind of going, and so just little details like that in this picture are just truly incredible. Um, you know, I talk about this and stuff like I just want to reiterate this is a horror movie that won and stuff. This is not a thriller. This is not a psychological thriller. I mean, your main character eats people in this picture. You can't tell me that this is not a straight on horror movie. And especially with the little like especially with kind of the way that Jonathan Demi films and stuff. I mean, I love the way that he uh, builds the suspense in the third act with the FBI going after the one house. Um, and you think it's Buffalo Bills, and at the last second it's revealed that no, it's not Buffalo Bills, and actually Clarice is actually at Buffalo Bills' house, especially with the way they uh, frame the um, the doorbell on his thing, just making it look like it's just the most ominous thing. Um, this is also a great movie for, sorry, I bang the table. This is also a great movie for strong female characters, not just for Clarice Starling, but also the uh, person that um, Buffalo Bill kidnapped in this picture, because she takes an agency, especially in the third act, when she's trying to figure out how to get out of the picture. You're out of time. Excellent. I'm back in character. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I blacked out for a second. What's going on? <laughs> five minutes to uh, take this movie down. John, All do you right. have any other questions before we jump on it? Uh, I'll let you guys. I'll let's, let's see what you guys come up with. <laughs> uh, so I mean, there, there is no denying that I, I think every movie on the table today has merit for being here. Like they're they're all very good movies. So that's not where I'm going to start with this thing. But the, for me, the the problem with Science of the Lambs as the best one at the table. It's it's tough to like really articulate because there's just there's little things throughout the entire movie that kind of bump me and it's not like the whole movie is a a fault but there's like there's little character motivation things that I, I think are kind of strange at moments there's things with Clarice specifically that like she really for somebody who's supposed to be the smartest person um, so smart that they pluck her out of school to go interview Hannibal Lecter because you know she's kind of his type but she should be able to go toe to toe with him she falls for his shit real fast. Like, within the first few minutes, she's already in his head. Like, he gets in her head immediately. And for somebody who's supposed to be the strong, badass female character, it's kind of weird to see her lose, basically, the mental mind game in the very first scene she has with the guy. Like, there's almost no sparring. Like, you it, on rewatches, you go, oh, wait, so she's supposed to be this badass, but she's gone immediately. That's kind of the, that's the biggest beef with the movie. And I think yeah. a stronger, Jodie Foster is... She's a great actress and she's great in this movie. I don't know if she was the best choice because she does come off as a little wooden. She's got like a diet Keanu Reeves quality about her, I think. Please, she'd be able to pull off an English accent that she was in Bram Stoker's Dracula. I also think like for me when I watch a movie, like what gives it a lasting quality and, and I love Silence of the Lambs, but what gives it a lasting quality is what it's trying to say and kind of does it hold up over time. And I think this has such a nihilistic view on humanity that it, it just doesn't. And I think, obviously, too, there's, like, dealing with the, the trans issues of, like, the disturbed trans person is the villain. And, yeah. Sure, sure. And Buffalo Bill, in general, is just, like, a really fucked up dude. And, and, like, comically so. I don't know that he comes across as scary as he needs to be, especially with the goodbye horses scene. And, like, the, I'd fuck me. Would you fuck me? Yeah. Like, I say that to myself Spot before, like, a job interview. I'm like, I'd hire me. Would you hire me? In and, hindsight, I should have done this podcast in character as him. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, again, it's not, I just, I think... And I think, too, part of it is that Hannibal is coming... Or not Hannibal, sorry. Silence of the Lambs is coming from really weak source material. And yeah. they hew almost too closely to it. Whereas we've seen in other adaptations where they 
play with it a little bit and kind of strengthen the pulpiness of Thomas Harris's work. Oh and, no, and you're a Brian Fuller it. fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, I love that. Actually, so I love hard. that show. So, if you guys haven't seen it, it's great. I, I, I want to build off of what you're saying because I, I want everyone to imagine a world where they made Silence of the Lambs with somebody else as Hannibal Lecter, not Anthony Hopkins. Perhaps Brian Cox. <laughs> actually, or perhaps Mads Mikkelsen. Well, <laughs> actually, okay. do you, actually, do you guys know the original choice for um, Hannibal Lecter before um, Anthony Hopkins came along? Mads Mikkelsen? Uh, Gene Hackman. Oh. oh so, oh. so, so, so no, I, my point I agree. Being that the... Miss Tessmacher! <laughs> Clarice! That would have been very unsettling in the middle of, of the Silence of the Lambs. But... Trying to imagine that it, it, Silence of the Lambs and Anthony Hopkins' performance are so intertwined that when the entire performance, uh, sorry, when the entire movie hinges off of that single performance, it, it, if you extract that away and look at everything else, there's still great things about Silence of the Lambs, but it, it all comes down to that one key factor. And I feel like for Best Picture, a, a singular element if I knock that out from you, what, what's your argument? Yeah, I mean, you you pull Anthony Hopkins out of Science of the Lambs, and it's <coughs> barely a movie. And the the thing that's kind of weird about it is like, it's not Hannibal's film. Like, it's not right. Hannibal's story exactly. at all. It's it's Clarice's story, and she plays second fiddle to him. Like, you you chose somebody who owns this movie, and he's phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. Totally, like, absolutely, he's great. But be, by doing that, you kind of lose the point of the film because all you want is another scene with Hannibal. It's like, oh, when's Hannibal coming back? Oh, why are we watching Jodie Foster get chased in Night Vision when Hannibal's out? Like, he's out. He could be killing people right now. I want to see what Hannibal's doing. And Could. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it goes to your point about different ad- adaptations of Hannibal. It, it all still goes back to that one Anthony Hopkins reference point, And we can do great things with it, but no, no one has been really able to. Yeah. 15 seconds, 15 seconds. we're wrong, Chris. If You're you... wrong. <laughs> I don't have any arguments, really. <laughs> I mean, I will say that I think it's the direction I think that Jonathan Demi did and everything that kind of keeps the film together without Hannibal. Because you're right. Hannibal is the movie. And I, mean, I can't give that argument. Oh, he's saying stop. <laughs> there you go. If you could... Why are you telling me to stop, Jonathan? <laughs> are, you scared? are you scared that we're going to cross tip-tap-toe line? <laughs> did anybody ever see Silence of the Hams? Anybody? Yes, the that, movie with Don DeLuise. Yeah. I felt like what? he did a fantastic job. Billy Zane thing? was... That's was a real be- thing. Oh, my God. Do you ever miss the sound of the ham falling down the stairs? Thump, thumpity, thump, thump, thump. <laughs> oh, God. My favorite... My favorite... I par- have not, but now I want to. <laughs> yeah. My favorite parody of this film, though, has to be the South Park one, when Officer Bob Brady has to go visit the toilet... Uh, the toiletry yes. kid in the... <laughs> oh. All right. So, uh, Chris, who should go after you? I think we should just uh, get the toughest one, in my opinion, done first. Brian, you naughty boy. Why don't you go ahead and go with the apartment? Uh. What's the matter? You don't have your argument settled? I, I have my argument settled, and uh, this this is the least confident I've gone to a battle. So oh. we'll see. We'll see how we do. That's right, uh, So, <laughs> so You're like that guy with the big teeth, and I'm like Aragorn with that sword. You ready? You ready? Uh. And I'm like that psychopath. That's fellow. You guys are eating my time. Oh, no, Shut up. Guy, guy. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Let's go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So, math. So that- hey, my time has started. I'm Ooh. lost 20 seconds. I'm, I'm now that's why I lose. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Billy Wilder's The Apartment is uh, it, it's one of my favorite movies uh, that I don't watch very often. Um, and that started because when I started thinking that I was going to get into film, I started reading screenplays and I just started kind of grabbing at Wild, uh, no pun intended. And one of the ones that I grabbed was The Apartment. 
and I loved it. It was one of my favorite screenplays, still to this day, one of my favorite screenplays ever written because it has this really beautiful mix of funny with situational comedy with this really unbelievably like bold take, especially for when it came out on depression and loneliness and like suicide. And it tells it in this really kind of fucked up, but endearing and kind of warm message movie. And I, I avoided seeing the movie for so long because I loved the script so much. And I didn't think there was any way in hell that the script would be made into a movie that I would enjoy. Cause I just thought it'd be, especially for when it came out, I thought it'd be a little too hokey, which it does have its hokey moments. But I still think that the movie holds up, and I think it does the script well. I, I I love, I love Jack Lemmon. Like he's one of my favorite actors of all time. I think he is just he can be very great, serious. You can watch him in and Ross, and he's amazing. And you can watch him in like, fucking the old people movie, and he's hilarious. I'm forgetting the name of it now. Um, it's Grumpy Old Men. Yeah, I kept thinking old people fucking. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> or if you want to talk about a real cinema classic, Out to Sea. Sure. Uh, but like, I, I love that Jack Lemmon, like, he really dives into every single role that he gets. And I think with this one, and uh, between him and Shirley, like, it, they just have this very believable chemistry that just ties me into the movie at all times. So if you don't know what the movie's about, there's a, a man who uh, lives close to work and he basically gives out his apartment to four higher-ups and eventually five higher-ups to take their mistresses back and bang. And the whole gender roles thing is just like, it's so fucked. And watching this movie, it's just like, wow, people are fucking horrible. Um, and as he starts to realize how much he really likes the elevator worker, he starts rising up in his company and finds out that the boss that's helping him rise to the company's mistress is the elevator worker and he's taking her to his apartment to bang him or to bang her. And it's like, it's this mind fuck of like, I still really like this girl and he still does. But like, he's like, I can't do anything because I'd be ruining my promotions. I'd be ruining my career and I wouldn't be able to get the girl in my dreams. So it's like this, he has to wrestle with this like horrible situation. And the girl still really likes him, but not as much as she likes the other guy. And the reason I think I'm always drawn to the movie so much is because I just hook, line and sinker believe the relationships. And it's because they don't they don't pull their punches in a way that I would expect a movie from 1959 to pull their punches. Like I would expect like the suicide angle I would never really see coming in a movie like this one. And they do it and I I'm always kind of annoyed. Like that's the one drawback for me in the movie is I don't think they handle the suicide very well at all. And I I, I haven't even in the script, it's my one bump. It's like they apologize for it and they kind of make a game out of it. And the way that he handles her is just terrible. But I also think that's kind of his character. Like he's a kind of a bumbling fool. So when he has to deal with a woman who just attempted to commit suicide in his apartment because she feels guilty about what she's doing to him, his reaction isn't try to get her mental help. It's uh, let's play cards. And he doesn't really know what he's doing. And I, I believe Jack Lemmon's performance of, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And I think that really works well for me and in the story. And I think Billy Wilder was brave enough to actually put that stuff in there. Cause it made your hero of the movie kind of shitty and like, kind of not like detached in a way that he shouldn't be like, he should be better. Like he should be like the doctor who lives next to him. Who's like, knows what to do, knows how to handle it. And he's just not that guy. He's a guy who's selfish He's a guy who's using people to further his career while also getting used. And it's not until the very end of the movie does he realize, like, oh, I'm doing everything wrong. Like, I'm going about getting the girl in my dreams wrong. I'm going about getting my career wrong. I'm going about my life wrong. 
And the movie ends with him basically just saying, fuck it to everything. He like confesses his love to the girl of his dreams who doesn't reciprocate. She's just like, yeah, can you just shut up and we can play cards? Like, so it leaves it in this kind of like bleak sort of like you assume they're going to end up together, but they might not. Like they just kind of agreed that their lives weren't great and we should move forward and change these things about ourselves. And I think that's a good message. And I love the movie. That's my five minutes. All right. That was beautiful. Time for the rebuts. I'm, I'm so, moved. <clears throat> I am. I would be touched if, you know, I actually had feelings so like that. So you shouldn't be moved by this movie because it's a movie about a man who doesn't change and it's a movie about a woman who hasn't changed. That ending, she keeps complaining about how she picks bad guys and then she goes to this unemployed spineless shitbag. But she doesn't used... pick him. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. The fact is she still goes to his apartment. You can see the pattern starting over and he hasn't actually improved. He's still treating her like not a human. The last... What drives him to his discussion is that he hears his boss talking about her in the same way he was going to talk about her. And no one actually treats Shirley MacLaine's character as a woman. Like, poor Fran is, like, clearly suffering. Her family doesn't respect her agency. She doesn't respect her agency. She keeps falling in with men who don't respect her. And nothing changes. This is a movie about wheel spinning. And, I mean, and it's pretending not to be. That's what's even more offensive. And and you can say it's a product of the time, but no, 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 no. Because three years prior, things like Roman Holiday were getting nominated for Best Picture. Audrey Hepburn was making things like Charade and Catherine Hepburn was a huge movie star. So you can't say it's a product of its time. It's just depressing. It's about the depressing ways in which people treat one another badly wrapped up in a feel-good comedy. And it's just, it's probably one of... Billy Wilder's least kind of visually interesting films too. It just takes place in this hideous little apartment and it's meant to be kind of bleak and stuff, but there's just nothing to propel the story forward. You say the suicide bumps you, but that's the only thing that happens in this film. It's, it's spinelessness, 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 objectification, Chinese food and a suicide. I don't, that's not a best picture. That's not something we talked about things that hold up over time. And this is just not something it doesn't hold up, and it doesn't hold up as a product of its time either. I don't I think, think it is a, a product out. of its time, though. You keep saying product. I never said it's a product of its time. I was expected that it came out in that time. I don't think this is a, a snapshot of that time period at all. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, think it's meant to be either. I think it's just a it's it's nice guy apology. Yeah, you know it's. See, and you also say a, it's a comedy. It's not a comedy. Like there's some funny moments, but it's. I, it's marketed as a comedy, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But like it, it's, but it's, the I agree with you. It definitely is marketed as a comedy. You don't have Jack Lemmon and Billy Wilder not expect. I mean, Billy Wilder the, the does not whole, make just comedies. Yeah. I will flat out say that. The Fair whole enough. front yes. half of the movie, though, is just fun sexual innuendo. Like, that's why it's a good screenplay, because it's witty. It's not a good screenplay because it's, like, structurally... I hate all these characters. I hate them all. <laughs> like, See, uh, except I, for maybe the doctor's wife. She seemed decent. But I, I maybe it's just that's a difference of opinion, because I love hateable characters. And I agree with you. I think all the char- characters I mean, are super I hateable, hateable, but I love hateable characters, too. Like, Young Adult is one of my favorite movies, but... That's a very different type of hateable character. Though. It's the same type of hateable. It's a woman who's treated by an object, uh, treated as an object by everyone in her life. It just happens to be from her fucking perspective, and you see how bleak that is. I, Jack Lemmon's character is a shit. He's a spineless shit, and it's painful to watch. Totally. I agree with you. And that's why I, when you say the ending is like, uh, it doesn't change anything, you're right. The so ending what, of the movie is so this. So what's the point? It's a long movie, too. It's yeah. two hours and seven minutes of wheel spinning. Oh, wow. See, that movie, I didn't even... Yeah, it two doesn't hours feel like and that seven at all to me. minutes. It but, feels like but you say the longer ending than of the movies... Return of the King to me. <laughs> That's impossible. But, like, the... Uh... <laughs> oh, but we'll get to yours soon enough. 
Uh, but like the ending of the movie, I don't think it was meant to be changed. That's supposed to be the start of change. That's both them sitting there going, we're going to change. Now. What indicates to you that they're changing? The fact that they're both. She goes to hang out with a jobless loser on New Year's. But she doesn't agree to date him and she doesn't reciprocate love. That's the first start of change. Because the first time she's told, I love you. Do you still love me? Her response is, you know that I do. The second time she's told it by Jack Lemon, she doesn't reply. So there's not a big change there, but there is something there. So she's she still is playing changing. coy with no agency. I'd also I, like to point out that Jack Lemon is changing too. He yeah. left the job. That's a big step for him. It's he's a- leaving the job. He's leaving the apartment. He is changing his life. But we watch the movie. The whole movie is an inspiration to change. It's not watching change. It's not watching the arc. It's watching what led to that arc. It's watching the horrible steps That's that the led them to the point of change. That's the exact opposite of what a movie should be. I, is it? it what but, is a movie? Yeah, like that, but <laughs> a movie can, has to have some forward motion. Like, I would rather watch what happens after. That's fine. You know, but like, I, it's just not... And Tokyo care. Story is a terrible <laughs> film by by that definition. But I, I agree with you. Like, the, but I don't think that all movies have to be that. I think this movie does what it does. I, it, the goal that it set out to do, I think it does perfectly. Like, I I love it. That that's that's all right. My counter. <laughs> How do you feel, Jonathan? Do you want to take a break? I'm entertained. <laughs> <laughs> should uh, should I pick or you? You you, you should pick. Who? You know, I got to save the epic for last, so I'm going with Mike. Oh. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, Way to lead the table. Oh, opinion. All right. Here we go. Hannibal against mental illness. <laughs> or, or against or together. Who knows? Give, give me what uh, you got, big boy. Well, I want to start off by telling you a personal story, because uh, originally I'm from uh, just outside of Princeton, New Jersey, where the majority of this movie is based. Uh, and it was a big news story when I, I can remember the news clippings. Uh, th- this shows how old I am. I'm talking about news clippings from the 40s um, uh, of Russell Crowe being in town in the movie set. And it, it, it really stuck out in my memory. And I have close associations of that with uh, A Beautiful Mind winning the, the Oscar for Best Picture. That leads me to overall, I feel that A Beautiful Mind, it, for me, it's the perfect argument for a best picture movie it technically it's got great cinematography it's got effects that are used in in an interesting way it's got great casting the we can we i I am bracing myself for the arguments about director but it's 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 at least (laughs) it's at least got a director that you can consider to be in top flight it's i'm I'm getting very nervous here the the producer brian grays whatever you want to say they produce hits and they produce oscar caliber films so I'm not making the case that it's the, the best. Have you best seen Inferno? <laughs> well, <laughs> let him finish. <laughs> I, I have the floor reclaiming my time, reclaiming my time. Uh, it, 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 it's got a really interesting take on the story, how it takes you through the character's journey, how he perceives the world. And then you have the twist in the, in the film, spoiler alert, I guess. And from there, you're you're taken on a ride with these characters as they progress through on this journey. Is it the the peak of anything? No, but I think there are so many strong attributes that overall it makes it a, a really difficult movie for me to argue against. It's it's got a lot of uh, whatever you think of Russell Crowe. He does take the approach to that to that character and to that uh, to that part. Makes a commitment to that. Jennifer Connelly is g- good in in that part. <laughs> 
Uh, you are literally giving us ammo. <laughs> Should I keep going down? The, 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 Bro, the, I fucking love Russell Crowe. I like how you well, look at me pleading. Like, whatever you I'm, think I'm, of Russell Crowe, I'd really, let I, him throw a phone at me. I'm pleading <laughs> to everyone because I know that they're, they're, you have to look at these pictures in a time where they are and then also in context of where they're coming from. And we all know about Russell Crowe and that, that's problematic. Anyway... Um, I, I also think of this film as a, a template for the biopic, which tends to be Oscar bait. You see a lot of strands from this film throughout the, the course of the next 20-ish years leading to today. When I talked about doing this actually with my girlfriend uh, right before I came over, she was like, oh, yeah, the one, it was like the scientist Stephen Hawking. And I was like, no, that's 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 the theory of everything you're getting mixed up. But it, it the template of A Beautiful Mind sticks out in, in people's memories so vividly because it sets forth that that template you can draw a through line from there in 2001 to uh to right now uh that's 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 all i got i don't really have anything else beyond those arguments uh how does it compare to the other movies at the table like what 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 kind of gives it the edge over these i think i it it may also be turned against me but i would say accessibility it it does have an accessible premise and it presents itself in a in a way that opens it off to an audience that silence of the lambs or return of the king or the apartment even, just based due to the, I mean, you know, I hadn't heard about it until we came to the list because I'm, I'm uh, ageist uh, to, <laughs> to the extreme. Uh, but I it brought me to it, and I watched it in preparation for this, and I, I, I have my opinions about the film. Uh, maybe maybe we'll hear about them someday. Uh, <laughs> but but th- that accessibility, because you it is the perfect best picture winner because it's got all the necessary elements that are, that compose that when you think of best picture it's it's got that to its detriment and to its strengths and that, i think that really builds it up as at least amongst the table the winner here <laughs> all right okay. we, damn we still have 45 seconds i don't <laughs> here i can change that there you go oh, oh. <laughs> oh no so all right for, go ahead so a beautiful mind beat out for me, my personal story, uh, my favorite movie, the movie I consider the best movie of all time, The First Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Rings. Yeah, I, I was and bracing for this. That's, <laughs> that's my biggest beef is like, it's it's fine. Like I, I like I said, I love this is Russell. I love Russell Crowe. You love I like, him fat. Oh, dude, fat Russell Crowe comes at it so hard. Oh, my God. Fucking fat Russell Crowe. Anyway. You like that. American gangster <laughs> fat Russell Crowe is one of Three my favorite characters. Three ten to Yuma you, you, fat you, you, Russell Crowe. You must have loved oh. the nice guys. Oh. <laughs> Actually, anyway, truly an know. exhilarating but film like, for you. Everybody else was going after Ryan Gosling. Oh, but you, no, no, you, you, wanted the fat, you wanted the fat Crowe. <laughs> um, but anyway, my point is... A Beautiful Mind is like just aggressively fine. And you say it's accessible, but I think it made the least amount of money, like relative to the time yep. of any movie at this table. Ha, I beat you at the box office. <laughs> I do. And, and I think it doesn't have, We I've been talking this whole time about like, does it hold up over time? And I mean, it has influenced a lot of movies. Sure. Its influence is there, but it's influenced movies that all seem so samey. They blend in to one another. It's, it's, it's a double-edged well, sword. See, yeah. and that's like what you were saying before. Like, I agree with you. Like this movie set the template for Academy bait films, but I blame it for that. Oh, like because beautiful mind, we're now guaranteed a shitty movie every year. That's going to carbon copy a beautiful mind and walk away with a ton of statues, like theory of everything, like King speech, like a lot of these things, which do these kind of like, meh, 
But okay. is, is that the fault of the Academy or is that the fault of A Beautiful Mind? A Beautiful Mind but, catered to those tastes. And, sure. And, and, and played, I mean, I would also say that's a very calculated move by the producers. I, you? I agree with you. But at the same time, like, if it wasn't for A Beautiful Mind just being the, like, the ultimate Oscar bait, like, every single speech you can feel like, oh, this is what they're going to play as a clip show when Russell Crowe's nominated for Best Actor or for Jennifer Connelly as Best Actress. Like, you can just feel it. Like, it, it doesn't... Because of that, there's no like earnest emotion in it. Like it just feels so cold and calculated. So, also, me, so yeah. I, 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 I just want to establish everyone's bashing on this movie because it did exactly what it was supposed to do. <laughs> well, I'll tell you something. Well, I'll tell that's you something. Our, that's that I our goal. Well, here, I guess it didn't though because it's a true story and it purports to be a love story. But their love story was way more interesting in real life than what this, happened. This, in wait, the wait, 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 back up, yeah. back up. Did you say real life love story? I'm not sure if you'd learn around those people. They were <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. yeah like, like hard. That's what yeah. I'm saying. But it was also really interesting because they did divorce and she did, helped him recover mm-hmm. while they were divorced and they didn't get back together until almost 20 years later when he won a Nobel Peace Prize. That's an interesting story. I want to see that. Sure. I don't, yeah. And I feel like they struggled so hard to find a visual representation of schizophrenia that they lost the humanity of the characters. It, well, and it's not even just that. The real life people. But not even just that. But I feel like they were so determined to try to depict schizophrenia that they kind of forget the story that they're telling like they spend so much time going down the rabbit hole of like is he decoding things for the government or not that by the time you figure out that he's not it's like all right well okay so we've been watching this for two hours and now i just found out that and it overshadows the fact that this guy invented game theory yeah like (laughs) i mean which i mean it at least put that out there and i should have included that in my in my arguments that it, it did make math accessible i mean we're talking about a movie that made math at least somewhat interesting for two two hours. I, I, I mean, that's more than you can say for a lot of uh, of these films on the table. Mathematics they, is universally interesting. How dare you? <laughs> I will also like to point out to you that I don't like the theme of love conquers all in this picture while also negating the true effects of schizophrenia to many a fine person in the real world. I think yeah, he like, actually went into character, like actually did psychoanalysis. Yeah, but, <laughs> it worked out. I know exactly who you are. <laughs> I see inside you. But like that's kind of my biggest issue with the movie, though, is that like it does such a. My biggest issue with the movie is that it does such a. It sets its goal to depict schizophrenia and its effect on John Nash so much that they forget to really celebrate all the things that John Nash did, and John Nash is huge. Like he one of the most. Be um, defined by that illness. Yeah, and the whole movie defines him by schizophrenia, not by his accomplishments. Until the very end, they're like, "Oh, by the way, here's some pens," and it's like. <laughs> <laughs> The pens, I, I actually had a, a big problem with the pens, but yeah. we, we, can, we, can, we can address that some other time. But I, 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 I just keep coming back to it, it It set out exactly what it accomplished to do, and love it but or it, hate it. But it set out to tell the story of John Nash, and it didn't. It told the story of it, schizophrenia. It told a story of John Nash. Okay. And, and to say that it didn't tell the complete story, then that— It told a story about his disability. Not his abilities. That'd be like if Hidden Figures were just like, we're black and it sucks. But no, it's about <laughs> math, and they make the math super interesting. Oh, damn it, I forgot about Hidden Figures. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, at the buzzer slam dunk Stop. there. <laughs> Hammer time. Um, All right, so. God, I forget about Hidden Figures. Fuck, that movie was good. <laughs> it truly was a wonderful film. <laughs> My girl Janelle Monet. <laughs> All right. So well, I guess there's nowhere to go but yep. Return of the King. That's it. <laughs> All right, go ahead. So this movie was a culmination of A Labor of Love by Peter Jackson, Fran Walsh, and Philippa Boyens. They had to fight the Weinstein machine, and they won. 
um, which is fucking cool. <laughs> um, and they had been denied by the Academy for two years, losing to a beautiful mind and even more offensively and egregiously Chicago. <laughs> Forgot that one. one. Yeah. And, uh, and while this, and they call I, me, a, I, they I will, call me a monster. <laughs> I, I will admit it is for me, the weakest of the trilogy. That's like saying, that's like saying that, I don't even know. It's it's the pinnacle of like filmmaking, you know, and and the the amount of practical effects and viscera, and it was before we had China look CGI, you know, it it was a real lived in world, and we got to finish this journey, this this really beautiful journey where we watch nine characters now eight struggle to save the whole world, and it's a world that's dirty and flawed, and I wouldn't want to live there, but I see. And understand why they work so hard to defend it and each other, and I care and love all care about and love all the characters. Um, every character has an arc. We've watched Aragorn really struggle with his identity and kind of come into his own. Frodo is just—you see the weight of the ring in every scene that he's in, and then the minute he's off, the minute it's off of him, you see the strength where he's the one reminding Sam of the Shire and of home. You see Sam just overcoming all odds, this terrified little hobbit, just carrying his friend for, for nothing. He doesn't give a shit about the politics of this world, but he loves his friend. Pippin and Mary have an arc. Gandalf, you see him come to terms with his limits of his power as a wizard and find his humanity. Like, he finds his strength in his humanity, not in his magic. Legolas and Gimli die. They're willing to die side by side, and they hated each other at the beginning of this journey. And it's just so rewarding and satisfying and we see what's really cool is like the character of arwen and the books didn't have much agency there's not a lot written there about her but we watch her make a decision that saves all of humankind she ignores her dad she rides back and even though like she's kind of sidelined through the whole story it's because of her decisiveness and her agency that everyone has the will to fight and it's like it, you see, oh, and Eowyn's beautiful moment where she says, I am no man, and drives down the Night King. It's just, it's moment after moment of triumph. There is also a fucking ghost army. I mean, and it looks, <laughs> and, and like, the whole thing about this, too, is that it feels so personal. It's an epic, but it's shot like a 90s horror film because Peter Jackson cannot help himself. There are heads being launched over walls in an Oscar film. Like, it's just glorious and you've got howard shore's score in an age where like hans zimmer is taken over with electro farts having an actual orchestral score and a song by annie lennox is just such a treasure and just the amount of love and what's really cool too is um Peter Jackson may have directed it, but Fran Walsh and Philippa Boyens wrote and produced it. And you can see kind of the female touch. Like most action epics, it's all just dirty, grammy action. But like every time Aragorn has a moment, there's like a fan and a like the whoosh and the sword. And there's just sort of a romance to it that I think speaks to a female influence that I can really appreciate. It feels, even though like there's obviously complaints to be made about these movies that they're a little bit whitewashed and male heavy, you can still feel that female beating heart in there. And so there is an accessibility to it, even though it is a four hour long movie about like elves and orcs there. there, The humanity is so strong in this film and so beautiful that there's just, there's nothing else like it to have won best picture because it is so unique. It's a genre picture through and through and like a tiny little New Zealand genre picture. This these three movies, the trilogy, and yeah, I'm going to talk about the trilogy because that's what it won for. Let's be honest. They boosted a whole country's economy. 
like New Zealand is still living off of the Lord of the Rings. And that's fucking dope because it's a dope country. (laughs) (laughs) They were in real danger of falling to the crack epidemic before Lord of the Rings came along. No, but it's just like he employed so many people. And I think like we wouldn't have Taika Waititi if we didn't have Peter Jackson, which is like a huge thing because Thor 3 was a treasure. And so is what we do in the shadows. And he is a beautiful man. And and, like, it's just everything about it just feels like this labor of love, even though it's a big glass. it's, It's not a glossy epic. It's a lived in, felt, visceral epic that one the best picture Oscar. And that is so, that's just so much more special than anything. All right. Any, any rebuttals? Oh, I have several. I, no, no, no. I, 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 I just want to start real quick. It'll take two seconds. Two words. Apology Oscar. That, that, that's... <laughs> the man but it also was better than anything else that was nominated that year. I mean, like. So an apology Oscar in a weak year? I, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's there because, it, because of Chicago the last year. Like it's, it's, but it's not an apology if it was still the best film. It doesn't matter to me. I think they should have all yeah. three won. Let's no, be honest. But the problem is that the best film of the trilogy, I think most of us would agree, would be the two towers. It I should have won. For... Yeah. But it wasn't competing against those two films. But, it was competing against no, Lost in but, Translation. No, but the, for me, the, the line isn't whether or not it's the best of the trilogy or the worst of the trilogy. It's what did it beat? And it beat things that it deserved to beat. But the long and the short of it is if the first two movies didn't exist, this movie is garbage and like i'm trying to argue the movies on their merits if you don't watch fellowship like and return Tower- of the jedi is garbage we all know that's not true because but return of the jedi return of the jedi stands on its own two feet better than return of the king if you haven't watched the first two lord of the rings movies you are lost from the get-go they just drop you right in the movie and that makes sense for how they made it it totally works but we're trying to argue the best movie on the table, and this one you need to watch two movies before you watch it. Every other movie on the table, you can just oh, pick up no. and watch. Oh no, you have to watch good movies to understand another it's movie. Still, but, but, it's, but you're it's still a, support. You're still supporting our argument, though. The fact of the matter Hannibal is, is that the, um, you excuse into a world that you, need to know. you need to let me finish, please. <laughs> we know what the or what is. Don't go there. Don't go there. I'm scrawny. <laughs> Unfortunately, the fact of the matter is that Brian's point is correct. You have to be able to watch the first two films to be able to enjoy this one as a four-star film. Without watching the first two films, it is not a four-star movie in your mind. And we are but talking about film. But we are ta- but like we are talking apartment. about films as yeah. an individual merit, not as a trilogy merit, not as a sequel merit, an individual merit. Yeah. yeah and the problem is that it does not shape up. Also, I'd like to point out one giant plot hole: Army of the Dead. <laughs> if you're going to, if you're going to have an army of the dead that literally act like termites jumping on top of oil fonts, you might as well have it go after the t- giant tower with the fuck fucking eye at the top of it but they couldn't because aragorn had dignity and it's that dignity and humanity that's what saves the day uh, it's like a theme yeah if i was scared off i would have turned around and be like dude these people are actually fucking alive these yeah, guys are that. get them to kill the tower and but, then we could release yeah, them but, tried but that. he gave him temptation and he said no i agree with sam on that point i think they actually stuck to their guns on that one both the book and the the movie i think that was smart but like the the other thing that you keep mentioning is that it's so real and lived in and i totally agree with you for fellowship and towers but they went way too cgi heavy in the third one like there's still those practical areas that look great, but the final battle at fucking Gondor, it's a CGI shit show. And like, like I wouldn't say I, it's a shit show because we've seen what a shit show is in the sh- Hobbit. Sure, films. For, okay, sure, but, like, but fair enough. Because again, it doesn't have that. It, it doesn't feel lived in. Like when you watch uh, the Helm's Deep battle, it's like holy shit, this is real and it's happening and it's horrifying. You watch this one and they went full CGI crazy town. And it was like, I, I enjoy it. It's a well-executed sequence. But I was watching it at work, and I had three people walk up like, I don't remember this looking so horrible. Like, and now, because you watch Helm's Deep, it looks amazing. The Blu-ray transfer was also really bad. 
Sure, but I would say like I, I blame part of that on the Blu-ray transfer. It's not but great. If, Watching it on DVD is a lot more pleasurable. But if you watched a Blu-ray transfer <laughs> of uh, Helm's Deep, it still looks great because it was all real. Yeah. You yeah. watch the Blu-ray transfer of Gondor, it doesn't hold up. But I also think in order to have things like the Ghost Army, which is such a great thing, you couldn't have done that. But you can do the Ghost Army without having a thousand CGI sh- soldiers that they didn't yeah. have in the and first one. I think the sheer. To have the scale that was required, I think you needed CGI. I don't think the CGI was there, but I still appreciate that they attempted it. I sure. think I think when you have like that sort of sense of scope, the fact that they didn't go for like China, like the China look where it has to be super animated and super fantasy, the fact that they tried to make it look lived in. Because yeah. even even in like wholly animated films, crowd scenes are really hard. Crowds For sure, are like yeah, really, yeah, really yeah. Hard. they're always and difficult. I think but. if you'd only had like a thousand on a thousand, it would lack the scope. So there, it was a no win situation, but and I think they made the best choice. I would agree if it looked like. But you also Helm's have those. Deep, but where... you also have those cutaways to. But Helm's Deep was way smaller numbers. Yeah, I know, but it still looked like a thing. lot. Yeah, but, but, but there wasn't a lot, and it looked like a lot. This one there wasn't a lot, and it looked like there wasn't a lot. Like the, it didn't. It didn't fall. And then like they have moments where it's like this is amazing, and then they do a Legolas constant. cartoon climbing a cartoon elephant. It's like, and it just pulls me out of the whole sequence. Like exactly. this should be the most awesome thing in the whole movie, and instead I'm like that guy looks like Neo. But then right you're now. constantly cutting away to like the intimacy of Sam and Frodo, and I think if if you didn't have the Sam and Frodo you're talking about the line. intimacy with them with a the giant spider. <laughs> But even the spider looked better than the... The that spider whole, looked great. Yeah, the spider like, Those lo- webs were incredible. Yeah, they spent more time on that than they did the actual, like, the two final battles for Gondor. The, the, the like, epic culmination of the entire movie, and, it, yeah. and you're left feeling completely underwhelmed. Yeah. Time is up. God damn it. Should have put, me- <laughs> <laughs> put me on that battlefield. Sauron would have run away in fear. Can you eat a per- one person at a time on a battlefield? Is that the most efficient way to work? Or? Well, if you want to know the truth. Uh... If, you're, if you're in a kung fu movie, yes. Shish kebab. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> just like a lance. just doo, 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 And we're good for dinner. I would have just Come on over here. And then you roast it over the flaming eye. Yeah, perfect. Nazgul. Nazgul. There's a lot of questions I have on that. Bring on the smog. Um. Wow, okay. So the situation I'm currently dealing with is I've got uh, two movies that are nowhere near close to difficult to decide against. Um, Some to do with delivery and some to do with arguments against it. Uh, And you can figure out where that line is. Um, (laughs) Sorry, Mike. (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. I regret nothing. (laughs) So... We have two titans at the table who've done a great job of arguing their case, and I've been ping-ponging back and forth between which movie I want, and oh, I've never wanted to do like a sudden death round, so I'm not <laughs> going to do it. I wasn't prepared I, for this. I have to give it to Return of the King, and it was just oh. because of the arguments against the apartment worked more, just it was so close. <laughs> I think you're scared, Jonathan. What are you scared about? Remember that time that I won on Sister Act 2? Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. Back up, back up, back up. Somebody won an argument for Sister Act 2 yes. back in the habit. You know, yep. And I also love the fact that that's a double entendre because you know she's getting back into the habit, but she's actually wearing a habit. Look, kids, if you want to be somebody and if you want to go somewhere, you better wake up and pay attention. <laughs> I'm just so inspired now. I, I, I know what I'm going to do with my life. Catables? Watch better Oscar movies. <laughs> yeah. No, it was really close to the wire where 
if, you, if I gave you guys two more minutes, it could have changed either way. That was how close it was. Fair wow. enough. So, so that brings today's battle to a close. Congratulations, Sam. Thank you. You can do a victory Thanks. lap if you want. <laughs> I don't want to get too cocky because one day I will lose one of these. So, yeah, Mike, thank you very much for coming back out. This was a lot of fun. This was really fun. Uh, was... Thanks for having me yeah, again. I'm That's sorry great. we ripped your, your movie to pieces. You know, I knew I was getting into when I made my choice, <laughs> yeah. but I, I did it with a purpose. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to have you on a battle again. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I also really do like Russell Crowe, and I was really glad to have an opportunity to talk about it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm here at to, to serve other people. I almost picked Gladiator. People, so. like, <laughs> that would have that would have worked too. I like, was close to picking Gladiator, yeah. and then I just went for screenplay, and I love the apartment. Uh, okay. Oh, hold on. No, a great idea just emerged in my brain: a battle of crows. Oh God. <laughs> No. <laughs> a murder of crows. Can I judge that one? That might work. Oh well, my god. Wow. I'll find a time to make it actually Can't we just count. call it Crow Off 2018? <laughs> that implies we can just do it every year. And God, I hope somebody off. argues for virtuosity. <laughs> for or a good year, directed by Ridley Scott. Oh, wow. Boy. I'm joking. Please don't do that. Oh. Sam, thank you very much for sitting in for the for Emily for two weeks. It was Anytime. much appreciated. Chris, thank you for sitting in for Chewy for this episode and for being on for two weeks in a row. It was much appreciated. My pleasure. Uh, <laughs> please don't ever do that again. Uh, I'm not coming back if he does it again. <laughs> uh, and thank you, everybody, for uh, listening and everything. But, I have a what? question. Did you oh. want to do plugs since you didn't do them last time? I don't know if anyone else here has things to Oh, plug. if you would like to plug, I sure. No, I don't. Oh, no. I was just saying you should uh, do. Uh, that other show, my podcast. So oh, yes, yeah. That, I'm sorry. Would you like to do plugs? Well, that other show. That's, it's called that other show? It's called that other show. Perfect. <laughs> that works. Okay. How original. So <laughs> now I can actually say bye. Bye. bye.